Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non-members out there, sign up for our free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. This episode is sponsored by Angie Leeds, Answer Force, Breakthrough Academy, and Company Cam. Welcome to the Painter Marketing Mastermind Podcast, the show created to help painting company owners build a thriving painting business that does well over $1 million in annual revenue. I'm your host, Brandon Pierpont, founder of Painter Marketing Pros and creator of the popular PCA educational series, Learn, Do, Grow, Marketing for Painters. In each episode, I'll be sharing proven tips, strategies, and processes from leading experts in the industry on how they found success in their painting business. We will be interviewing owners of the most successful painting companies in North America and learning from their experiences. On this episode of the Painter Marketing Mastermind podcast, we host guest Tony Busnardo. Tony is the co-founder and co-owner of Old World Painting, a high-end residential painting company based in Breckenridge, Colorado, that currently does $2.5 million in annual revenue. Tony and his business partner, Kent, have taken a unique approach to their painting company, focusing first and foremost on their friendship and always prioritizing that. Tony discusses the benefits of growing a company with a good friend and how they have been able to find success in that manner. Tony also dives into the incredible importance of the 80-20 rule, and how he was able to completely revolutionize his life and his future in under 15 hours. If you want to learn more about the topics we discussed in this podcast and how you can use them to grow your painting business, visit paintermarketingpros.com forward slash podcast for free training, as well as the ability to schedule a personalized strategy session for your painting company. Again, that URL is paintermarketingpros.com forward slash podcast. Tony, thanks for being on the Painter Marketing Mastermind podcast, man. Super happy to be here. Yeah, so uh, tell us a little bit about Old World Painting. What do you guys do? Where are you based? What's going on? Uh, We are painting contractors based. Our home base is uh, Breckenridge, Colorado in Summit County. So we're in Ski Town. Um, We currently work only in Summit County and in Chafee County, which is Oh, about an hour away from our home base. And uh, we, we actually used to work in Pitkin County as well, which would be like Aspen and some of those places. But we phased out of that a couple of years ago for different reasons. Um, and uh, we largely work on high-end homes. Uh, average price of a home we worked on sits between on the low end is typically around $3 million home and wow. all the way up to $20 million homes, um, somewhere in there. And, uh, we've been in business since 2002. Uh, I keep saying we, because, uh, me and my, my best friend from college, uh, do wow. business together. His name's Kent. And, uh, and, uh, so, I mean, that's a real brief look at things. We moved up to Breckenridge in 2002, started the company then not as an, idea of starting the company but just as a way to be together in a place we wanted to be so wow that's great man are you guys from colorado originally yes uh kent grew up near vale okay and uh i'm a fifth generation colorado kid on both sides of my family so born in denver but my family actually immigrated to a town uh called montezuma it's a little mining town just above breckenridge wow back in the 1870s yeah have, um, Tony, have you ever tried skiing? Snow? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Even in a, in a lean year like this. No, I'm, uh, we, uh, I am outside enjoying the mountains, etc. probably six to seven days a week. Yeah. Man, that's, that's odd. That's great. Where, where'd you go to school? I went to school in Hastings, Nebraska. It's a little private college, uh, called Hastings college. So nice. Um, so you started it with your best friend from, from Hastings college. 
Yeah. And, and you guys started it because you, you wanted to be together and, and be in a place you wanted to be. What kind of drove you to Breckenridge? Are, are you guys ski bums or what was the focus there? Well, we, we weren't necessarily ski bums. We were uh, definitely mountain kind of people. And uh, but what really drove us there is a super long story. But the short the short version of it is we had some friends that moved up here. They were doing some uh, cool, cool things up here that we wanted to help them out with. So we were just we just moved up to figure out a way to help them. And uh, and that's how we landed in Breck. We were going to be here for a year or two, maybe. So, wow. 20 years later. Yeah, that's Uh wild, man. And um, and you guys are, are you strictly residential? Do you guys do any commercial work? We do commercial if it comes our way, but we don't seek it out too much. Okay. Yeah. It's almost, almost all residential. We used to do a lot of new construction, uh, but we're pretty much out of that gig now too. We, we quit doing all, but one, one, maybe two homes a year last year. Okay. And then uh, where are you guys at revenue wise? If you don't mind sharing that, what did you you guys do in 21? Uh, We were around 2.1 million. That's great, man. Congratulations. Okay. So yeah. you, you guys are for, for, um, I mean, obviously it's in a fluent area, $3 million <laughs> on, the, yeah. on the low end is pretty, I haven't heard that before. You know, we yeah. have people from California too on this show. Yeah. Well, that's the, that's kind of the, that's kind of the market that we sit in, we, but we do, we do work for all sorts of people, you know? Um, and we also, we don't, limit the size of the job either so uh you know i, I looked it up recently last year our average project cost about ten thousand dollars but uh it, it's kind of a funny number because we had many many jobs that we did for like 150 200 bucks you know wow uh, yeah those are just ways of keeping in touch with clients or meeting new clients so uh we don't we don't spend any money on marketing uh and so I kind of see uh, meeting a client as a form of, of marketing. So I could spend, sure. you know, a few hundred bucks here and there and work my way up to 10, 10 grand or something paying for marketing, or I can just work that with clients that we meet and consider that a marketing avenue. Sure. So. Yeah. I mean, the, the building relationships is huge, especially when you guys have been there for 20 years. Yeah. 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 So we, you and I, we're, we're speaking about something pretty interesting before we started uh, the filming of this. And it, w- it was kind of, you said you had binged all the episodes in three days, um, yeah. <laughs> which, which was pretty great to hear. But you said that, that you think that you're kind of coming at this or you've, you've been coming at this from a little bit of a different angle from the other, from most of the other guests that we've had on the show. Can you sort of speak to that? Sure. We, uh, like I said, we're best friends from college. Mm-hmm. And uh, really wanted to figure out a way to do life together and uh, and wanted to do it in a place that we thought was cool, you know. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's why we started the business. Uh, we didn't really start. Money's never been a big priority for either of us. So we didn't really start in the way of thinking like we never had goals like in right. three years and five years. It was just like, well, we could keep the lights on if we do this. We both grew up painting. My dad was a painter and Kent grew up painting in Vail. And so uh, it was a way to be together. And so I th- one of your guests, I can't remember which, said something about, you know, where you start is where you'll finish. And that's something that I've like firmly believe. So we started with a friendship and that's kind of been what's driven the thing all the way through. So uh, when we started needing employees, we we didn't hire employees to make more money or anything like that at the time. It was to, to kind of like further on friendship and goodness between people who could be with us. So we really tried to just create a culture of camaraderie. And for years, if anybody said why they worked with us, they would always say, that's oh, camaraderie. It's like the best, funnest, you know, it's just a really fun, good environment to be a part of. And that is all, that's a, that's just an awesome thing to hear. You know, I, I think it's, that's such a powerful why you know, the, the, the yeah. start with why, I mean, that that's, it sounds like that, that why hasn't changed for you guys, hasn't evolved. It's just kind of gotten stronger and you've just built it. Yeah. That. That's, that's been the, that's been the idea from the start, you know? So uh, that's where we've ended up as well. We've learned a lot of stuff along the way, but. 
yeah you you don't you kind of don't hear a lot of things that go like that you know you, you hear so many things about friends that start a company together and and then it doesn't work out or, or you know it sours oh, yeah. for whatever reason and the fact that you guys have been running for 20 years doing over 2 million and and it's just gotten stronger that kudos to you guys hey thanks you know i think uh, it's it's one of those things most folks that go into business right or wrong they go in thinking this is how they're going to make a, a good amount of money this is how they're going to make things work you know right um nothing wrong with that but uh when we came in with a different perspective then we've hit bumps in the road and difficult things but it was net like money will it's just not something that'll get in the way so we actually get hired quite a bit by people because we're uh, we've been partners for so long because they think, oh, this must be some, this must be some kind of cool thing. I, uh, you know, how have you guys been able to make it? Most, a lot of times, people say like, oh, I've had three partners and it's never worked out. You know, right? But they've started out with that. Then when the bumps come in the road, I think it's a lot harder if you start out thinking we're creating a business as opposed to we're creating a friendship. So because if you're creating the friendship, then that's the thing that you'll value the most. You know? Yeah, so, man. Yeah, that's, I mean, you kind of have your list of priorities and, and the friendship will, will take precedent when things yeah. happen. Can yeah. you speak to, and, and I know we were planning on having uh, Kent on this show and, and maybe we'll, we'll do it again um, yeah. when he's back, but can you kind of speak to maybe one or two of the bumps you guys did encounter and how you guys work through it? Sure. Uh, let's see. Well, a big one back in... 2007 2008 something like that um we were part of a construction of a 10,000 square foot like really high-end home one of your small the small the smaller it's probably a like a five million dollar house yeah cool. <laughs> it's like a whole oregonian forest was inside that house you know it's like it's wow, amazing and, uh, and uh we used a new product i mean this could speak to all sorts of stuff that we learned but we were using a newer product um as a clear coat on all the lacquer work and uh we used to really really believe in the customer is always right so we would do whatever we could to you know appease the customer make them feel like a part of the process etc and we got into a scenario where there wasn't heat in the house and everything was under propane heat um which wasn't a super uncommon scenario, but we, we didn't like doing it, but we said we'd do it because that's what the customer needed and wanted, you know? And uh, so we sprayed a clear coat, a waterborne clear coat, and it was too humid in the house because all the propane heat, we learned this later. And about a month later, this uh, bloom started showing up like a whitish haze on some of the woodwork. And maybe three months later, the whole Oregonian forest was pure white. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, and it was a huge problem. Um, and he and I ended up working to get that fixed. Uh, we ended up working from like November to March without a paycheck. And we just had to work. We'd do our day job painting the houses that we had. And then at night, after we put the kids to bed from about seven to one in the morning, two in the morning, we'd go and work at that wow. house, remedying that problem. But all the money we were making in the day, you know, it wasn't like it could go to anything. It was just going to pay for us to go work for free at the other place. And wow. it was a, it was a $30,000 problem that in the end we had to, we had to swallow. Um, but, you know, we just, we could roll with it and turn on some Led Zeppelin and, <laughs> and have a good time at one in the morning fixing this guy's house. So, uh, yeah, that's one example of something that we were able to get through without, you know, without, it really wasn't that big a deal in the end for us. So, yeah. Good for you guys, man. It, it sounds like you guys are, are able to maintain perspective, you know, cause for sure. a lot of people that, that obviously one of the questions that we ask guests a lot of times is what's your, what, what has been your biggest customer blunder? And I would imagine that's probably yours. That's that was that one. was probably the biggest one. I and I I could say that pretty much every. I mean, there's been plenty of blunders along the way, but almost all of them 
the lesson learned is that is has been when we've tried to help follow that idea of the customer being right or always right. <laughs> nowadays, I tell people, no, the customer. I don't believe in that. I do. No, I said nowadays that. we say no. The customer is pretty much always wrong. That's why I don't know what is what they are doing. You're the expert, yeah. Yeah. especially. I mean, it could be a homeowner, it could be a contractor, like a general contractor that they're always wrong. That's why they hire us for our expertise. So now we're, we push back much more. We don't, you know, we have set standard, not standards, but set protocols of things that we'll never do, you know, we'll never work under uh, temporary heat, for example, thanks to that job, you know? Uh, Yeah. I think that's a a great point. yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, you know, everyone needs to have these sort of standard operating procedures, SOPs. And if a project or, or someone's trying to push you outside of those, ultimately you're the one on the line. You're the one who's yeah. there spending $30,000 and six months of your life to fix it because you did something that was outside of your standard procedure. Yeah, no, it's totally true. And it, you know, it's funny. I mean, in 2007, I think is when that happened or eight. I mean, at that time we weren't making any money, $30,000 we lost there. And I think on the, that year, we probably each made, you know, a total of 30 to $40,000 a piece. So it was a big deal, you know, but yeah, so we don't operate under the customers. In fact, we, we will not say it necessarily in those words, but yeah, no, you're hiring us because we're the professionals. And so we don't even like to get into the details of process. It's just, we know what to do and it, you have to improvise so much in our line of work, especially here with the kind of weather that we have, mm-hmm. um, you know, as soon as you start letting clients into all the ins and outs of how you do things, they'll find some discrepancy, right. which is really not a discrepancy, but a way that you've learned to improvise to make things work and work well. So, right. Yeah. Ultimately they're paying you for the end result that they're, they're, you know, on the quality they're not paying you to, to learn everything about how to exactly. do your job. Yeah. yeah. Um, so do you guys, is that your tagline now? Like, do you guys have that on, on your vans? Customers always wrong. I know. Yeah. I saw, <laughs> I saw an electrician's van the other day that said, uh, it said uh, quality electrical work. We may show up. And I, <laughs> I thought that that's, was great. That's pretty funny. <laughs> Yeah. It probably works really well because oh, it I think so. it's cheeky. It's cheeky. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. Cause that's our already a big, you know, it's a big pain point. So they're kind of making fun of it. I love that. Yeah. Yep. Um, have you, so between you and Kent, have you guys, that was obviously a big blunder. You guys pulled together, good attitude, kept your perspective, kept your cool. Um, were you guys married at, at that time? Did you have families? Was there any home pressure with that? How did that? Yeah. Kent, Kent had been married for a couple of years at that point. I was, uh, I was not married. Um, he got married right out of college. So let's see, he would have been, he was probably married two, three years at that point. Mm. Yeah. Three yeah. years. So we were both, uh, we were pretty, we were kind of gallivanting everywhere, all of us. So he was, he and his wife were traveling in Ecuador for a number of months and all over the world prior to that. And I was doing the same thing. I was in Patagonia at the time when we decided, you know, via email, we were connecting. It's like, well, let's move up to Breckenridge. So um, yeah, we were just kind of all over the place. So he was married, but probably not in the sense that people would think in terms of like creating a home (laughs) or something like that. Not, Not quite as tied down as you typically think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, good for you guys. Now, have you and Kent ever had a disagreement, you know, between yourselves uh, on you you thought one thing should happen or, or you guys should take the business one direction, he thought something else. And how did you handle that if you have had a disagreement? Uh, I mean, there's been plenty of disagreements along the way. The Usually we just like, it's real important for us to be authentic and open and honest. So we usually can just talk through those. None of neither of us are guys that have to have our way, not at all. And neither of us feel especially competitive about anything. So usually it's like a suggestion of, Oh, I have this idea. What do you think about it? And typically a little bit of talking, we tend to agree. So that's, that's honestly, t- we've never had any enormous disagreements. We've had some roadblocks come up that we've got through, but 
uh, as far as disagreements and things like that hasn't happened a whole lot. He and I can be pretty similar to a lot of times though. Like we have a real similar worldview, you know, uh, obviously kind of have to, if you're going to start a business, not to make money. <laughs> but yeah. 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 I think you do. Yeah. Um, most people don't start it for that reason. So you, you got to kind of both be aligned on that yeah. one. Have yeah. you, have you ever found, you know, cause there are different schools of thought with a co-founder. Right, now, first yeah. off, are you guys 50, 50 on this? We're 50, 50 partners, but we, this always shocks people too. We don't have a written agreement for any kind of, uh, you know, if one of us decides to go our, a different way or anything like that, we just trust that we can figure that out together. Like we figured everything else out. Nice. So uh, we're 50, 50, we're an S corp, but that's just the legal standing. Other than that, there's not much there. Yeah. Got it. So, you know, there's, there's kind of one school of thought, which is it's good to find people like you, um, you know, to start a company with. And I think there's a lot there because otherwise yep. it could be conflict, especially when your whys are not aligned, then there's going to be a big problem. But then there's sort of this other thought, you should really find people with complementary skill sets that, that sort of complement yep. where you're weak. Have you guys found that you've struggled at all because maybe your worldview is too aligned? Yeah, I think, I think we're a bit of both, you know? Uh, there are things that we complement each other really well with in terms of tasks. Uh, you know, like I think when when we were you were emailing me before and it was like, here's some things we might be talking about. I said one of the things you probably should be aware of is that I'm like a I'm like a caveman and I cannot speak the business language. So, you know, if you start saying things beyond like uh, gross or net, then I'm lost, you know, uh, but Kent can deal with all of that. <laughs> So, so we complement each other there uh, in different ways, but where we probably got hurt is uh, uh, neither of us, because of our worldview and the way we pursued life, neither of us really gave business a single thought, literally, until, you know, it was like thought, we just move our arms up and down with a paintbrush in our hand, you know, yeah. uh, we never really gave it a thought until about 2012. So we were 10 years in. Um, 10 years in and at that time had like 15 employees or something. And, you know, I would say somewhere in there and had just never thought about business. And when, when we started to, uh, it became real apparent that like, we're, you know, it just kind of uh, solidified our, our personal opinions of ourselves that we're kind of cavemen morons and we should have been thinking about a few things earlier. <laughs> yeah. Man, that's really funny. So you kind of woke up one day and thought, oh, we, we have 15 employees. We don't really know what we're doing, sort of. Is that yeah, kind of no, it was totally that because, uh, you know, 2008, the market, you know, housing market, everything kind of imploded. Um, but we found ourselves in this funny spot because, like, I think it was that year, it was one of those years there were like 18 homes built in Breck, which is like nothing because it can explode here, you know, mm -hmm. but of those 18, we painted 12 and, and, uh, we found ourselves having more work than ever, but we found and more employees, but we didn't see the numbers changing. We never even really paid attention to the numbers, but all of a sudden we had, it was like, I was working a lot, which we never wanted to work a lot. If that, mm -hmm. that probably sounds funny too, but we always were, we always joked around about being, uh, we're, you know, uh, we're like living lives of leisure and we're partially retired and we're, you know, like, you know, we're like 27 or something, you know, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but uh, we found ourselves to get the work done, working a lot more with employees, having more employees, but not necessarily getting more work done. And it was like, what's going on here? You know, I had, I had twins born in 2010. Oh, wow. And suddenly found myself like I had a, they had an older brother, but once the twins came, it was like, wow, I'm working more than I want to, but we're not, there's like not more, we're just getting through the work, but it's not changing anything. So we decided to sit down and think about the business a little bit, first time ever, but it was like, we got to figure something out. And that came about, about, we probably for about a year and a half, two years kind of struggled through um, just realizing we were working more than we wanted and it was confusing. And so finally we hit a breaking point and uh, we said, I said, you know what, I'm going to sit and look at the numbers and 
all this, I'm going to look at our jobs and what we've been doing. And I'm just going to see if I see any patterns. And then Kent, we decided he was going to go talk to business people that lived in Breckenridge that we knew and just ask them, you know, like, give me some business advice. What would you advise? So we had these two different tasks and it was really funny because I sat down and I looked at the different kinds of jobs we did. And I discovered that there was one kind of job, namely exterior repaints at the time, like restains and repaints. We did, uh, we made way better money on those. And it was funny because we also had a lot more fun on those. They were the funnest jobs to do. We made a lot better money. And then we had like the new construction and some other jobs like that, that like we hated doing, but they were the biggest volume of our work by far. Um, but they hardly made any margins. And, um, and I kind of noticed that. And so I wrote that down and then Kent goes and talks to these business guys and he talked to everybody and there was that we could think of. And there was one guy that said, you know, there's only one rule you need to know. I can tell you all sorts of books to read, et cetera. But really the one rule you got to know is the 80, 20 rule is what he tells Pareto's Kent. principle. Yep. Yeah. So then we sit down together and I had emailed Kent this finding, you know, that I had found. And he's like, you're not going to believe this, but you like reinvented the wheel. And I was like, what do you mean? You know? And he's like, well, I did the numbers on these jobs that you showed me. And he's like, 80% of our volume was new construction and these jobs that don't contribute to our margins in any healthy way. And 20% of our volume is this stuff that creates 80% or more of our profit. And he's like, it's, and he's like, it's the 80, 20 rule. And then he tells me, and it was like, so then we got to make fun of ourselves a bunch, you know, and (laughs) And then from that point on, it became, well, how can we make our 20, our 80? You know, how could we change? How could we flip-flop how we're doing that? So we made some, that's when we first thought about the business. And that completely changed. Uh, I think in 2012, we were probably, we were probably grossing around $300,000. It was not a lot, you know? And, and ever since then, it's, I think our, the we haven't tried to grow we've just tried to focus on the 80 and in focusing on the 80 i think our probably our smallest growth year was maybe 20 percent. you know wow since then it's exploded because we just focused on that so that was a huge lesson and and it was it came years late because back to your original question it came years late because we were too similar when it came to thinking about business stuff really interesting that's really yeah. interesting so you guys you, you started this company really focused on the why the friendship and and maybe didn't think quite enough about some of your numbers mm-hmm. and then just just from figuring out your numbers figuring it and i want to not um kind of ignore the fact that you also enjoyed that work because that's important you guys enjoyed yeah. it enjoyed it more but just focusing on the numbers not working any harder just working smarter and understanding your business better, you guys were able from what took you 10 years to go from zero to 300,000 in the next 10 years, go from 300,000 to 2.1 million uh, easily and comfortably yeah. and have a better life. Super. It was super easily. And it was really, it was really funny that that 80, 20 principle, I actually never ended up reading anything about it. Kent read a little bit about it and he's like, here's the gist of it, you know, and he kind of tells me 80 per- like naturally somehow 80% of what you naturally do ends up being stuff you don't enjoy and isn't helpful. And the 20% is. And so you try and find ways to make the 20 your 80 is how he put it. And he would read stuff where people like applied this to their whole life, you know, not just like business, but we just applied it to the business. and was like, well, if repaints and restains are the 20 and we want to make it the 80, then how do we find more? And we just, put a little thought into that and and uh once once we put just a little thought into that didn't require any it didn't require any money of us which i think is kind of and we've always run the business super lean Mm -hmm. so we didn't like go out and do ad campaigns we didn't do anything like that it was just a matter of how do we focus on this other stuff and and uh, changed everything yeah 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 i think you know we we obviously um, interact with painting contractors across the country. And one of the themes we run into uh, is this 
is this idea that that they're kind of feel like they're in the hamster wheel you know like they're really busy but but they're they're not yeah. they're not living the life that they signed up for you know you start your own company and and i know you guys started with the focus on friendship not money first but but yeah. you also wanted to have you joke kind of a semi-retirement a life of leisure i mean i think everybody yeah. Almost everybody wants to have that financial freedom, that security. Nobody wants to feel trapped yeah. in their business. And, and you were trapped, sort of. You know, you guys were working so much and you weren't seeing the results. And you yeah. had to, to, to set, take the time, focus on rather than in your business, understand your business better, made a pivot, yeah. and you freed yourself. What was, yeah, it's totally true. What was funny is, I mean, we did. We had a year and a half, two years where I still wasn't working full time, but it, I'm not, I can't work full time and I'm just not built for it. You know, when I do work, like when I was a painter, I used to freak out my employees because I worked so fast and so hard and I was like running up and down ladders and they would always <laughs> long, you know, but it was just like, I just, um, I have a lot of energy, you know, yeah. but, but uh, for like two years, it was like, yeah, there was, it was a lot more working than we wanted you know i got mountains to climb and use music to play and that kind of stuff i didn't you know well that one's um, not that's not gonna play himself yeah yeah right yeah. so we uh we uh you know the the funny thing is it didn't really take like the the fear was i still remember being at a coffee shop i sat down and i just like was looking at all this stuff and i called kent and i was like this is this is stupid man i should be out there painting you know what I mean? It was like, I should be out, but all it took was like three hours of my time. Literally. Wow. It, it was no time. It was just like, it took three hours of my time. And then, you know, Kent was like, no, you have to do this. You know, you have to do it. And I did it. And then we find out that, you know, we like invent the wheel again. And then, and then uh, it took like 30 minutes of my time to come up with a plan and, you know, a little bit more. I mean, less, it probably took less than two to work. It probably took less than 15 hours to bring our company to something that just naturally grows by 20 to 35% a year. Wow. And I wasn't, and we weren't even doing it in terms of thinking of growth. It really was in terms of efficiency. That's all we were looking at um, because growth isn't really on our radar. Like, you know, if you gross 10 million, but you're inefficient then it's awful and oh yeah yeah at 2.1 2. we're super lean this year we'll do like two five i think we're not focused on growth right um but we'll grow you know that's a still a substantial amount of growth in a year i think and oh, yeah. um it's only because we're focused on efficiency so it's like um how can we continue to push the 20 into the 80 and we now we've totally flip-flopped that we're more like 90 10 in the in the positive direction you know and we just kind of applied that to everything whether it's bidding or customer relations or anything like that um how do we make it how do we make it have the most bang for its buck kind of thing so we can um be out adding good things to the world and other places besides just business you know that's great man yeah good for you guys um yeah, and it was, it, I'm also glad that you brought that up, that it, it was unnatural. You felt like you shouldn't be doing it. You, you need to get back on the hamster wheel and run a little faster. Yeah. And, and fortunately you did have a business partner who did have a little bit of a different perspective at that moment. Yeah. Yeah. And that came up more than once, you know, uh, the most beneficial thing we did in light of that information that we, that we discovered was, uh, create a, um, uh, current like a current customer um proactive maintenance program it was like well if we want to have more restains repaints what what's some what's one way we can do that and the first thing that popped into my mind was uh clients always contact you too late whether they're new clients or existing clients uh you know where we live most of the homes have like a transparent or semi-transparent stain but we're at 10,000 feet. So it just doesn't last real long, no matter how many coats you put on or whatever, the sun just burns through it, you know? And then of course we've got a nine month winter and all that kind of stuff. So it's just really hard on these homes. So typically people will call me when their home's like way down river. 
So the first thing we realized was like, oh, we have a client base and they always call us too late. And then we're trying to fix problems that aren't always fixable or that cost more. It's just not a good thing. So we created a program where I contact the clients have a spreadsheet. Whenever we do a job, it just goes into spreadsheets for different years and alerts me to say like, hey, it's been three years and their South Side probably needs some help. So I contact them and let them know. So, but all that to say, um, you know, setting that up was another eight hour venture, you know, and the whole time I was like, this is stupid. Why am I doing this? I need to go paint, you know, and Kent was like, no, no, you got to do it. You got to do it. So, uh, yeah, there's all, you're always fighting that things need to be done kind of thing. Yeah. Things are always going to need to be done. Yeah. Especially coming. I mean, I'm a, my dad was a firefighter and painter, you know, that's what he did for his work. Kent's dad was like, a pastor and then side job stuff, you know, like whatever he could figure out on the side. We were both just like blue collar, you know, so you come from that realm and you think like, just get it done. You got to just get it done. And so like you keep saying the hamster wheel, you can, it's so easy to be on that. So, yeah. Well, yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. It's, it's good that uh, you guys were able to to kind of work that out as partners and, and have the different perspective there. So you had mentioned something pretty interesting that, that you guys, I mean, obviously your, some of your, your average ticket value tends to be pretty high. You, you know, you're working on pretty nice homes, but you yeah. said you, you'll do a variety of jobs for a couple hundred dollars and, and you view that as sort of your marketing or relationship building. Can you speak a little bit more to that? Sure. I mean, I know like a lot of the other paint, I talk a lot with painters up here, you know, and a lot of them, they're like, oh, I don't touch I don't touch something if it's less than, and they've got some number, you know, $2,000 or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, um, it's, it's like a direct contact with a future client. If you're going to do a job that's $200, I have some, some provisions on that. Like if somebody calls me and they're like the client that says like, oh, I, I couldn't reach this window, you know, it's like, well, that's not, you know, that's not worth your time because they're not going to be a future client. They're doing stuff on their own. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not looking, that's not, that's not going to help me or really them in the long run. It doesn't create a relationship. So, but if I get somebody who says, Oh, I just, you know, we had a pipe burst and that happens all the time up here, you know, and in my laundry room and I need like, I need this patch done. And, you know, I go and look and it's like, Oh, I mean, it's a handful of hours of work. It's like three hours of work. I'll, I can charge them 300 bucks or whatever, mm-hmm. 400 bucks, you know, like I will totally do that because they can't find anybody that'll do that. Nobody will come and do that painter, handyman, nobody, you know? And if they do find somebody, they're going to be, they're just not going to be like a, a real reliable person or like mm-hmm. a real, you know, it's not going to be a real relationship. It's just like a struggle for them. So I can show up and have somebody go do that. And then they'll call me in the future, you know, plus I'll have them in my system. So every time, uh, you know, I'll I'll have in my system, I'll look at the exterior of their house and I'll contact them, you know, however many four years or whatever it is down the road. When I looked at the exterior and I was walking in and be like, Hey, probably time to look at your exterior. Would you like me to take a look? Or when I'm there, I'll say, Hey, have you checked your window sills lately? You know, we, most of the homes are lacquered and stained up here. So it's like you, you know, those windowsills break down under our UV uh, from the sun. And mm-hmm. because we get condensation because it's so cold outside and then you got a heat transfer inside. Like this morning it was 27 below. So, wow. um, yeah, so there was just like layers of ice on my windows, you know, that message. So I'll say like, hey, I'm here to do that patch. You want me to check out your windowsills? People miss this. I could do every one of them for a few hundred bucks or if it's too late. And you're like trying to play catch up, it might cost you 8,000. So, you know, you create a relationship where you're taking care of them and letting them know you're like trying to proactively be something. So it's a good way to connect with people. I think it's like a super, I think it's a super smart investment Yeah. You know, to do yeah. 300 bucks. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I mean, it ultimately people need to know, like, and trust you to, to yeah. really want to do business with you. And like you said, the, you're, competitors if you will not really you don't really care about those jobs themselves but the only people who are really willing to do that are kind of for you know people who are sort of desperate 
you know, like, like people who oh, just yeah. really need $300 and they're not, they don't really have a business that that's really going to be able to add substantial value to that customer. The fact yep. that you don't need that money doesn't really matter to you, um, but you were willing to help them out in a pinch. So they didn't have to, to hire some random person who just needs $300. Um, yep. Now they love you. Now, now, if you come in and, and even if you quote 20% higher, they're still probably going to hire you down the line. That's no, totally, it's totally the case. It's completely true. And we, I mean, we are fortunate enough. I, we have run a lot of guys. And so I have a lot at my disposal, you know, to make that sort of thing happen where it's not an interruption. Right. And then because Kent and I uh, have, have set up our scenario for what we do for the business really efficiently, we, you know, most weeks are working 20 to 25 hours a week, maybe. And so I could always go do it if I need to. It's really rare that I do any paint work or anything, but mm. it's not, a, I, I love doing paint work. I've been doing it since I was 12, you know, it's fine. Yes. So if I could go do that, I make the connection, I meet the client, you know, it's a great, it's a great deal. And it creates that relationship and it, and it also pushes to like, uh, when I look at our quote, like when we do quotes for people, um, you know, I just sat down and looked and last year we won 60% of the quotes that we did. Wow. That's great. Uh, but, uh, it, we, that's actually, that was actually a lower percentage than normal. And, uh, we hired recently a, a good friend to do most of our estimating now. So mm -hmm. we just got one estimator. He and I shared it last year. We both did it part-time made about 60%, but then he was teasing me because he said, yeah, I saw that 60%, but I'm over 70, you know, so, <laughs> <laughs> so, but all of that is because, you know, I can, I can do some shotgun thing and try and hone it down a little bit, like on, you know, any of those things out the home advisor or something like that, any of the, but the percentage, I don't like it. Like, it's just going to have me going. I want to, I want to win minimum 60% of the bids that we do. Yeah. And right now we're pushing more like 70 and, wow. and that's, that's where I want to be sitting, you know, on, ideally I'd like to be up at like 80 or 90%. I don't think that's too far out of the question either. Just as long as we build that rapport. So, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. The, the paper lead services tend to be a scramble, you know, and those leads yeah. tend not to be quite as good. Yeah. Um, so I want to, you know, we, we have been emailing a little bit about your employee model and you guys had, had done some pretty interesting things, uh, in terms of benefits and, and a whole lot of benefits that you seem to offer that, mm -hmm. that were a little unusual. And then you guys recently made a switch. Are you open to, to speaking about that transition and, and kind of how that whole thing played out? Yeah, hundred percent. Uh, we, let's see, by 2005, we had a handful of employees, probably uh, six, seven employees or something like that. So three years in, um, and we just started thinking about how can we care for these guys, not just in terms of being friends and creating like that whole scenario that Kent and I had and, and kind of furthering that, which we did a lot of, but how could we also care for these guys in other ways? And, um, and so we started looking into employee benefits. Uh, so maybe sometime in 2005 or six, the first benefit that we put on was uh, healthcare. So we started, we started a group plan back then, um, you know, and like I said, we never thought about the business itself. So that wasn't a business decision. So we actually didn't look to see if we had the money to do that. It turned out, <laughs> it turned out we did, you know, that's good. It, that worked out. Yeah. We had the money to do it. Uh, we, you know, it, it meant, uh, you know, probably just meant we had no profits or whatever, but we never looked at those either. So, um, we you guys have a guiding, guiding light, Tony. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we, we created a healthcare group plan for everybody. And then uh, we started doing profit sharing, uh, when we, that was a journey at first, we would profit share per job, uh, real quick. We realized that wasn't a good idea because though we didn't think about the business, we did track how we did on each job. And so if you profit shared on a good job, then the next job maybe didn't go so well. And it would have been nice to have that money to help cover it to some degree. So we started profit sharing on the, every trimester. Um, we would sit down and be like, okay, where are we sitting? And we'd give a profit share. Uh, we did, what else did we used to do? Um, oh, uh, we started doing paid time off. 
and we had a system, you know, they worked so many hours, kind of the normal kind of thing you'd have on some other job, paid time off. We gave guys really flexible hours because it was always important to Kent and I, like the, the most important thing was getting to do the things that we like to do here in Breckenridge, like skiing and uh, climbing mountains and all that kind of stuff and traveling too, lots of trips. So it wasn't like we told guys, you have to uh, work 40 hours a week. You have to be here. It's just like, oh, you can do, you can basically take off whenever you want, as long as you let me know, you know? And I mean, once I told one guy on one powder day, you know, it's like, that's yeah, not going to happen today. We got to get this done. But otherwise we had enough guys, we can make it work to be a part of the benefits. You had to work uh, 30 hours roughly in the summer. So, um, and then you had to be a full time or around, not full time, but a round the year employee, but we never had full-time work for those years in the winter either. So uh, we did that. We started adding Affleck as well, which is like a supplemental gig. Um, all of that was always kind of changing a little bit, depending on the crew and the season that we were in and that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, we changed the model completely last year at the end of the, at the end of 2020, um, we sat the guys down and said, we think it's going to be better to move to a subcontractor model. Um, we had been a hybrid. We had had already some subcontractors that we started using. First one was about nine years ago, mainly because we couldn't keep up with the volume that was coming our way. Mm. Um, by hiring, it was just too intense. The training was too intensive and the kind of work we do is so, uh, dangerous in terms of detail mm. and, and client. Um, you guys are playing at a high level with, with, yeah, high you, just can't, you know, so it's like to train somebody really, they've got to be working for you for a year minimum, mm. you know, and to other, you, uh, it was so it was a real endeavor to train people but the way the volume was coming we couldn't keep up but I knew of some crews that did really good work and I knew that I could train them all the more if they needed it and they were they were good guys and good crews so I just talked directly to them and said what if I got you you know the majority of your work and mm -hmm. you didn't have to think about all the other stuff but doing the work right they loved that idea sure so we had some subcontractors starting about nine years ago and we just, as we, you know, were paying attention to the business, it was like, um, it was becoming apparent that the subcontractors were really thriving. Uh, they were making unbelievable money, um, but they didn't have any of the stress that comes or any of the confusion or distraction that comes with being a business owner. Um, because, you know, I took care of finding the clients, figuring out the colors, dealing with the clients. All, they just showed up and did a good job. Yeah. So they got to be focused. Right. And when they were focused like that, it was like a, a whole new game for subcontractors. So we had started flirting with the idea that maybe this would be a better way for our guys too to just tell them, Hey, let's, why don't you create your own business? You can have employees. If you want, you can create a business with some of the guys who are part of the crew, you know, which some of those, some of the guys said they went into business together. Nice. Um, uh, other guys just wanted to be crews of one. Um, and, uh, but they all loved the idea. And so we said, we're going to try it out this year. If it doesn't work, we can always just come back to what we were doing. But, uh, so total subcontractor model now, the, the crews that were employees for us, will they would never go back now. And part of that too is because of the kind of people probably that end up here. It's like, you know, outdoors, super independent, mm -hmm. like uh, the, that kind of stuff at a 20 some years in started to get a little exhausting for Kent and I to like, manage the interpersonal stuff with the guys like we could always have a really great time outside of work but they were starting to get at each other's throats a little bit in work because they all wanted it their way right so uh switching to the subcontractor model turned out to be a really great thing for everybody get less on my mind about being a mom to everybody yeah <laughs> you know? yeah and uh and uh it was really shocking 
I, uh, one of the first conversations I had to have, I had to have with each guy just because it was so curious to me was these guys are all like really, really good painters. We trained them from the ground up and I've, I've forgotten more than I know about painting. You know, it's been, I've been doing it for so long and mm -hmm. these guys all took to it really well and were really amazing painters. Um, and they would do good to make a good profit turn, you know, when they were employees, but as soon as they were subcontractors, they literally were 40% faster and wow. that more detailed. Just and, they were, they were, you think it was that, that they were motivated for their motivator? What do you think? That yeah, was? well, I, I, uh, you know, one is they weren't paid by the hour anymore. Mm -hmm. And, but the, the, when I sat down and talked to them, I was like, what's going on? Like you, we used to have three guys on a 6,000 square foot home and we'd finish it, you know, in three, four days. And I was like, now I got one guy on that same home and he's finishing it in five. Like what's the, wow. <laughs> what gives, you know? And, uh, they all had the same answer. They're like, something really changed when I actually own it. Um, it really changed everything for them to be the actual owner. I mean, and it's not like we're 1099ing them. They're true subs. They have all their own stuff. They find work on their own as well, you know? Wow. Um, but it really changed for them to own the business and all those benefits we used to give. I was really glad to give those, but they just kind of became entitlements for those guys. Um, Maybe they appreciated it in the beginning, but then not as much kind of. As time yeah. And it, and it just kind of became an entitlement thing. And, and, uh, and then Kent and I are too nice. So we just kind of rolled with it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, you seem pretty cutthroat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I bet I do. Yeah. So, but they, uh, you know, I had guys going from making 50 K uh, as an employee and having those benefits, which were really nice to him, to one guy last year, just by himself, no employees, working, didn't even work full time, you know, made 127 grand. Man, so, that's awesome. Yeah. So obviously a better scenario for him. Yeah. So it really reinforced the idea of creating, like, what's the best scenario for our company to create ownership for people? Sure. And yeah. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's really what that journey was. Yeah, you it sounds like you really enabled a lot of people yeah. by doing this and, and kind of setting them up for success too. You know, it sounds like you guys sort of sort of helped them get set up what they need to do and and you know, sat down, talked with them one-on-one -on -one and, and guided them through the process. Yeah, totally. We did. We 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 literally sat down and said, here's how you create your company, here's what you need to do, here's what we recommend, here's what to write off, here's how to write it off. Like we really held their hands through the whole process. And it really was there was benefits for us in terms of like i said i'm not babysitting the right. interpersonal stuff anymore that was the main benefit for me yeah uh man because it was getting so exhausting but the uh i was more counselor than boss you know and and it which was fine except it just was starting to get exhausting but uh um we held our their hands you know all the way through the whole process they were a little shaky at first because they didn't trust it it was hard for them to trust it you know they thought right. maybe it's a big change yeah but as soon as they started turning jobs it it really changed quickly for them they thought this is yeah the, this is the coolest thing so most of them you know say like you know thanks for changing everything for us it's been great that's great and i think it's important for anyone who's listening who's you know thinking about making this kind of switch it sounds like you you really need to be willing to to recognize the fact that there will be uncertainty there will be fear from your employees and you have to guide them through that for this to work you can't just say hey you're you're going to own your own company now okay go ahead and expect to see this kind of result yeah well exactly and and i mean especially so for us because like i said the whole thing was about friendship so these guys were friends you know mm -hmm. and it's like we have every good intention towards them and want the very best that they could have you know when they were employees we one of the main goals it's really hard to own a home here you know and so we would try to figure out ways to help guys get homes and we would do loans interest-free loans to guys and all sorts of stuff like that to help them get and so we helped quite a few guys get into homes you know um but this I don't know why it would be hard i mean they're, they only started around five million dollars yeah so yeah right <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, they, fortunately, there's some there's some stuff called deed restriction here that's like yeah. for local living that makes it possible to get into something sometimes that's pretty tough. But 
uh, you know, a deed restricted home is still like $700,000. So it's, Ah, but, uh, um, having said that, like this turned out to be an even better way than an interest-free loan to help them get into homes. It's just, we figured out a way to, uh, help them have more earning power, you know, which really just had to do with them owning it. So yeah, scary for people to make the change. And then the other thing too, is, you know, a lot of other painters up here, they use like a subcontractor model, but they're not really subcontractors. Just you know, 1099. They're just 1099. That's a very different scenario and not something I'd recommend at all. It, yeah. I mean, being illegal. So, you're, you're, uh, <laughs> that. yeah, it's a, yeah. A lot of people roll that dice, but you, uh, I mean, you care, you know, I think that's yeah. kind of what I'm taking away is, is, is you care. And so you, you, you go sort of outside of what most people would uh, consider the scope of your job or your responsibility you're willing to go outside of that and i think it it's you know the universe or however you perceive that is sort of coming back and paying you back yeah i think so it's just trusting trusting that i mean we we uh we're really focused on trying to add good things all around us and trusting that goodness is is being given to us even when we don't know it and trusting that even something scary or difficult that there's good things there so uh yeah, we, that's definitely part of the gig for us. Yeah, this is great, man. So we, you know, you guys have, uh, you said negative 27 degrees, nine month winter, obviously, you know, there's a reason that you guys are, are kind of one of the ski capitals of, of the world, basically. Yeah. Um, do you have any advice on how to combat winter slow season? Yeah, well, so we, just how, um, I just said that guys that are here tend to be pretty independent. I think that makes a little bit different scenario than some guys might experience. Like, uh, you know, if you live down in Denver or, or someplace with much milder weather, um, because people are used to seasonal realities here. They might, uh, ski, be like a ski instructor in the winter and in the summer they are a landscaper or, you know, there's a lot of like seasonal realities and that's just how it is. So we have it a little easier in terms of that, because if, uh, if guys want to, there's plenty of ways to figure out something else in the winter. And we definitely have had that scenario in the past, but, uh, uh, the other thing is, um, increasing the guy's earning power in any way that you can when you're really making hay. So, you know, I said that guy made 120 some grand last year, but he worked part-time and he probably had two months where he didn't work much at all combined in the winter last year. You know what I mean? So you increase that earning power and the kind of people that are up here, most typically are like, oh, sweet. I'm going skiing today instead of painting. You know what I mean? Yeah. They value that, that freedom. Yeah. So that helps. But then you do still want work and you still want to keep the relationship going with your clients and with your guys that are doing the work for you. So, uh, I, I basically just contact all of our clients every year, um, with a couple maintenance realities that, you know, like the windowsill thing I mentioned, or like, you know, a lot of these homes up here have enormous trusses and beams everywhere in the house. And when a home is built, those beams shrink over the next couple of years because our climate's so dry. Mm-hmm. So they tear away from the drywall. So then you end up with gaps. Sometimes it could be a half inch big or whatever. Um, so uh, I have some form letters that I've created that I send out. I tweak them a little bit every year. But we have a client list of over 600 clients. And I just send I send a note to them saying, hey, have you considered have you looked at your windowsills lately here's what they look like if they're starting to break down you know and i let them know how important we think a proactive approach is to things so you know it serves kind of two purposes it helps drum up some work in the winter and then it also keeps us in touch with our clients so usually i put on either some kind of discount say like if you have us if you have us do this between november and the end of april then i'll knock off 10 percent or um, or I'll say something like, yeah, if you have us, if you have us do this, then we'll paint, you know, one wall in the summer on an exterior project for free or, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Just like, yeah. Something something to incentivize them. yeah. So 
that usually gets us a decent amount of work. And then I always, if somebody ever has interior work, I always offer a discount to do it in the winter. So nice. if they call me in June and they're like, yeah. And I was like, well, if you can wait, I'll knock off, you know, 5% or whatever it is, which doesn't sound like much, except, you know, we're currently doing an 80,000, almost $90,000 interior. That's a lot. Project. 5% is a healthy, healthy chunk of change, you know? So yeah, people, people will wait often for that sort of stuff. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, you're obviously being really proactive in the marketing world. We, we call it, I think it's a ridiculously complex phrase, but we call it database reactivation, uh, which essentially just means reaching out to your past customers uh, and, yeah. and kind of remaining, you're remaining top of mind. And, and you're, I think it's also important to note, you understand your region very well. You understand how the house is there very well, what can happen. And so not only are you creating work and not just BS work, you're creating actually work that's actually helping people. You're also further positioning yourself as the expert because how many other yeah. painting company owners are saying, Hey, did you know that this is going to happen with the trusses and, and have you checked this? And I mean, you are, you are the guy now. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. That's exactly right. And it, Proact it's funny you mentioned proactivity because when we came up on that 2080 principle, it was like, oh, we whatever we can do to be proactive about anything that makes sense. And mm -hmm. so our company, if I were to say like there's one practical like day in, day out aim, it's like, how can we make things proactive? As soon as we, we find out whenever we're reactive, it's awful. That's like the worst reactive place. is problems, you get caught flat footed. Yeah. And it's, it's just like, then you're putting out fires, you know? So it's like, that's why we got out of new construction. It was a long process. We've been wanting to get out for seven years, but we were too nervous to do it because of the volume. We were like, well, we'll lose so much volume. You know, we've yeah. just been slowly switching that volume to the, to the repaints and thinking once we get to a certain point, maybe then we could pull the trigger. And we just yeah. never felt like we were getting to that point last year. It was like, Look, we're about proactivity. The re new construction is the most reactive business yeah. in the world. <laughs> like yeah. new construction and the presidency, those are like, you know, who yeah. wants to do either of those? So, so you know, getting at we got out of it just because it was the most reactive business is terrible, um, and you're at the mercy of all everybody else's right. And yeah. as cleaner, you're at the far end of that mercy. Gotta go so, fix it, fix it every time there's an issue. Yeah, fix it yeah again. the schedule's late, everything, the plumber didn't show up for two months, you know, reactive, reactive, it's awful business. So we, you know, so at any rate, yeah, all of that contacting with clients, everything that we try to pursue on a practical basis is what can we do that's proactive. And that one of the biggest ones that really could change, I think, anybody's business is just having a true relationship with your clients where you're, you know, I don't like the idea of newsletters um, or like a monthly something or other, because that's just like, it's too commercial. It just feels like you're just putting your face there. Not personal. But it's like, hey, I know that this can be a problem with your house, yes. your windowsills, you know, and I know that I can fix it proactively for $400. Yeah. Or I know that you could wait till it's way gone. And I've had some, like I had a guy and it was $10,000, you know like seven years earlier, he could have paid $400, but now he's paying 10,000. So it's like, I know the things that we can do that proactively will help you. And they'll also keep us front of mind for clients, you know, in a relational way, as opposed to just like some form. Right. Not, not as transactional. Yeah. The, uh, it kind of reminds me of the, the old Rolodex, you know, people have the Rolodex, you're basically yeah. positioning yourself in, in every homeowner's Rolodex you yeah. know, for all these different kinds of needs. It's funny how it takes no time too. It really doesn't. Like I'll sit down at 600 some clients, I'll sit down and some of them we've become, we've been working with for 20 years. And, you know, some of them are friends. Some of them at the very least are close acquaintances and things like that. So I'm not going to send them like a, the same kind of, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to send them like a personal thing. How's your dog? How's this? Yeah. It, doesn't, it just doesn't take that much time though. Tony, do you, do you have any advice you would give to other painting company owners? I know that's, that's kind of a, a big question, but anything yeah. you want to say? Yeah. Uh, think of any way you can to be proactive about contacting your clients. Uh, think about how you can do it in a lean manner. I don't think that you need to spend much money, if any, on it. It's more just spending a little brain energy and a little time and 
whatever you could do, be proactive too, in terms of how do you use your bids? How do you uh, find your bids? How do you write your bids? Um, you know, be proactive about how you maintain somebody's house. Um, anything you can do to be proactive and not reactive. And then that 80-20 principle, you know, um, is, a, is such a good tool. Like take the stuff that's your most profitable and turn that into your 80. Because it's also, it's weird, but it's the most enjoyable stuff, you know? Not yeah. because it's profitable. It just happens to coincide with it um, because it was always most enjoyable for us, even when we didn't know it was more profitable, you know? So use that. That's all. That's just another proactivity thing. And then if you can do it with a friend and you can choose that over the business, then I think you can really thrive. You I think it is excellent advice. I appreciate you sharing all of that. I, I think it definitely will give... Our listeners a lot to think about you you certainly um you certainly have approached this from a different perspective especially with the with the friend and the friend first and and your why uh is very powerful so i do appreciate you sharing all that um well tony thank you uh, so much man for coming on the show it is you've definitely provided a an extremely unique perspective uh focusing on friendship first the, the why and and all the other um, the ways that you've approached your business. Thank you for sharing all that. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I think our, our listeners are going to get a whole lot out of this and, and we'd love to have you back, you and Ken, and, and uh, I would definitely like to do a follow-up with you both. Oh, that would, that would be great. Kent would love to be on it too. He just had the last minute go to another country. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'd yeah. like to, I'd like to touch on that too on the next one. Yeah, we'd be happy to. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Tony. All right. Take care. You too. If you want to learn more about the topics we discussed in this podcast and how you can use them to grow your painting business, visit paintermarketingpros.com forward slash podcast for free training, as well as the ability to schedule a personalized strategy session for your painting company. Again, that URL is paintermarketingpros.com forward slash podcast. Hey there, painting company owners. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Give us your feedback. Let us know how we did. And also, if you're interested in taking your painting business to the next level, make sure you visit the Painter Marketing Pros website at paintermarketingpros.com to learn more about our services. You can also reach out to me directly by emailing me at brandon at paintermarketingpros.com and I can give you personalized advice on growing your painting business. Until next time, keep growing. Painted podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and is made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPaintEd.org.